Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Patient Convert podcast. Co-host Justin Knott here today, and I'm really excited about the topic, uh, another new topic, talking about performance and productivity, which is a really hot topic around physicians, especially with physician burnout and maximizing your most valuable asset, which is your time as a physician. And I have a special guest joining me today, Sabrina Runbeck, who is an international peak performance keynote speaker. She's been doing this for a long time, has an extensive background in medical, and she helps healthcare business owners heighten and sustain their performance so they can do less and achieve more. So thank you so much, for Sabrina, for coming on. I'm really excited about our topic today. And tell us a little bit more kind of about yourself and uh, why you're so passionate about performance and productivity. Hi, Justin. Hi, everyone, for listening in on this amazing podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. And I am someone who uh, have always been on the go. I feel like I am an only child when I was little. My parents got divorced young, but I'm also the only girl in the family of all boys, all my cousins. So especially in the Asian community, it's a lot of drive and push on, hey, you're a girl, just get you a great, uh, get a good job, eventually get married, you're all set. And I have that rebellious tendency of, no, no, that's not going to satisfy who I am. And I can be <laughs> as smart, as driven, as accomplished in anything I want to do. And that really pushed me into the mentality of just constantly doing something. And I feel like all of us who are ambitious, smart, confident, got trapped into that mindset. And my mom came to the US, so I followed her a few years later. So after two bachelors, two masters, finally got to a one of the best heart and lung surgery center in the country. And also in a world where people constantly flying to us to get operated on, consulted on, I felt like I made it. And also because I was young, I was new in the field, I felt like I need to constantly prove myself by doing more, uh, getting on more cases, uh, um, seeing the consult right away, and um, make sure I document everything. And that was time and not even asking for help or feeling like I shouldn't, then I, weak, then I might be showing up as the weaker link. I, I keep saying yeses to all the things that truly robbing my precious time, energy, and sanity. And I believe this is not nuances. Many people have been there uh, in the same boat. I re just remember one day, it was hardly eight o'clock in the morning. I'm already exhausted because I hardly slept for four hours the night before taking calls again. And that was one of the months I was in the hospital 29 days straight. Mine, uh, yeah, I got home, but I came back every day. And that's the morning that I start feeling like achy, feeling weak and just numb. And what happened was I had a fever 101 degrees. Now I was standing in front of my patient's open chest, still trying all that I had just to get through that surgery. And for some reason, um, I also was staring into the distance and don't know what's happening. And my nurses even noticed that and they were taking pity on me and keep passing me Dayquil and cough drop just to keep me going. And that was the start of the moment. I'm like, oh, this, this is not fun, right? Yeah, this is not <laughs> it's good. It's not good. And it doesn't need anyone to have a medical degree to tell any of us, our body is forcing us to stop. So of course, the next morning when I woke up, 
cover with nice sweat can hardly just get out of bed and go get a glass of water. I had to convince myself this is it. This is the moment that I can't do it anymore. And it, that's a bizarre for so many levels. I know my story is not unique. All of you guys who are listening have done this. Like, oh, it's not big deal, right? I can still go. If I don't go in, who's going to do my job? And then I have all these things going to pile up. And if I teach someone, it's going to take me more time to teach someone than just do it myself, right? These are the tendency that got us stuck. And the other thing is we feel like we can figure anything out. And when we're in that mentality, guess what? We are actually getting ourselves into what I call the distraction zone. We're constantly feeling like, yeah, I'll figure out. I'm not going to ask other people because I am smart. I'm resourceful. Then it takes us so much longer to do things, to figure out, and still not achieving as high quality of the result that as we wanted to. And when I finally convinced myself, I cannot do this, I have to call my boss for a sick day. He responded, Sabrina, you're just telling me this now? And oh, now I feel like, wow, that's like a stab in my own heart for someone who's working on the heart. And I realized I had to take a step back. It's all these letters behind my name, all the experience I tried to push and build, all the services I tried to create. What does that really mean to me? Is this really sustainable? That's how I started to go back to my own research back in the day on neuroscience and public health, where I done my thesis on self-management, self-care, self-efficacy, stress management, and ultimately how are all these come together for our performance? And of course, getting really into talking to other neuroscientists and psychiatrists on what can we do better to be able to tap into that next level of high performance and not just being trapped into the daily nuances and mundane work that's killing our momentum, killing our productivity. So now I can happily say create a six-step process that people can join me uh, in a one-on-one and group level where we can save you at least four hours of freedom back, right? That means what? More time to sleep, more time for yourself with your family, and, or put it back in your practice. And so you can actually feel lighter, enjoy the fruit of your labor and not constantly putting out fires in life and right. Yeah. And I think that that's what you just said is, is what's on a lot of, I think, physicians' mind. You hear, you hear the buzzword physician burnout an awful lot, but I mean, the, the truth about it is, I mean, it's, it's tough being a physician. It's tough prioritizing your time. You're getting pulled in a thousand different directions between your staff and compliance and, and uh, patient care and, and patient needs, all of that different kind of stuff. So, I mean, as a physician that is looking to kind of take some of their time back and, and improve their performance so they can avoid it, or maybe they're feeling like you are, they're absolutely run down and run out. And they're like, how do I climb out of this hole? How do they kind of get started in terms of kind of a self-evaluation to start heading in the right direction of actually enjoying what they're doing or just being more productive in general? It's such a great question. Now, from my six-step system, the number one thing is how can we redefine our desire? That means stop thinking about the doing part of everyday grinding out. What does that bigger goal look like? Right, And it can start as simple as 
what is your basic value system on how you want to show up for yourself, for others, and for the future that you're creating? Can you even just give me three descriptive words? Because that is ultimately our guiding system on what to do. And that doing part becomes less important and become more flexible. And then these words, these value systems can guide us when things are not matching who we want to be, who we want to work with, and what's the basic outcome, right? Just because I do believe all of us are constantly asking each other, hey, how are you doing? Right. And then when you even networking is like, hey, what's your name? What do you do? Somehow the doing part becomes such a big part of our identity instead of what what do you want to achieve? What's your passion? What's your goal? Right. Because that's the motivation part. That's the part that can keep us going and without procrastination, without feeling those you're carrying the whole weight of everything on your shoulder. So when you ask yourself, what kind of lifestyle that you truly want to achieve and why, and how good would it feel when you get there, then we can reverse engineer all the things we can do now and be flexible with our process and truly enjoy the process part so we can get to that end goal. Interesting. Now, would you say with all of that, kind of say from my perception or probably a perception of of a group of the physicians out there listening is... Do they have more, I guess, power and and the ability to create change than they think they do? I think there, I would imagine there's a, a lot that feel really stuck. Like I'm working in a health system. I have to show up. I have to put in this X amount of time. I have to see this amount of patients. Like there's all these boxes that no matter what they want to do, they've got to check so it can feel like hopeless. Like how am I ever going to take my time back and, and be productive? Like, is that something that is just kind of a wrong frame of mind, so to speak, to be in? Correct. The frame of mind for us, if we're constantly thinking we're lack time, we're lack resources, we just couldn't do X, Y, Z, then you're constantly in the state of being stuck, right? There are our research in positive psychology showing that any one negative experience or even a thought, it takes at least three positive ones to replace it. And we have a score with a call to positive quotient. So if you're, uh, when we do assess multiple components of your life, if you're below 75, really you're in that zone of not really enjoying yourself and performing at your higher level. And you're constantly just dragging your feet at a moment. Even you might be really, really good at what you're doing and you're doing it just like a machine, right? Like, I just know how to do it, but I'm not actually connected to what I'm doing. And if I'm not connected to what I'm doing, then it doesn't have a meaning to my life. And how would that turn into satisfaction and joy into the bigger outcome and the bigger impact that I want to create. Interesting. What would you say with all of your experience working with people? Because this is obviously a, a, a big change moment or you hope it would be that kind of stops them from starting this process. So even you tell them it, maybe they even conceptualize it. And then I'm sure you see people that just can never get unstuck. So you have to move on. Is it fear? Is it not wanting to... Is it pushback on change? What would you say is kind of a big thing that unfortunately, when you see people that never actually make the decision to change and they just stay stuck in their unhappiness. The biggest change I would say is what we call the master judgment. It, that is the, the 
key sabotaging tendency all of us are having. Now we judge ourselves for how quick or slow we're working on things. How come I only got to this title or this position now? Or if I do get here, maybe then I can do something I'm more enjoyable, more relaxed, right? It's a constantly of putting ourselves into the high standard per se, which a lot of us felt like, oh, if only I push myself harder and that will give us the drive. No, the pain is pain. Joy is joy. You have to choose to have joy and then to choose to ask yourself these tough questions. Now, most of my clients are always like, oh, there's another tough question. And I'm like, yeah, but when is the last time you asked yourself those? And that's why you're where you are right now. So even the simple things is when they feel stuck, how true is that? Do you really have no time where you choose to use your time in this one aspect instead of figuring out who or what can actually help you to push yourself into the desire zone more instead of being in this distraction zone or disinterest zone or what I call the dead zone that you should never really be in. And when it's not true, what do you feel and how would that feeling impact you, right? So it, it means like if I'm stuck, it's a really truly stuck. Okay, so most people feel like, yeah, but it's absolutely true that you can't pull yourself out of it. it, it that's it and the, the rope. And mostly it's no. So if you are no, how do you feel actually truly when you feel like you're stuck? What's that emotional drag, right? Is that shame? Is that guilt? Is that unaccomplished? What is that? Do you actually want to feel this way? Right? No. Okay. If I don't want to feel this way, how do I modify my mind, change my attitude? Right? That's the neural remodulation training we start and pivot yourself into that state of what, what we call the sage re-empowerment. But what does that empowerment feel like for you? And for a lot of people, it can be tied to their value basis now. Right? I wanted to feel like I am someone who's intelligent who are resourceful, right? Who are loyal to others. So if you wanted to do that, then we also have to have a self-check-in method for ourselves on a daily basis. And if we said we didn't make these marks, then we have to give ourselves a reward system. Yeah, I think that that's excellent. I love what you said earlier when you said sadness is sadness and joy is joy because it's so true because I think people do get so stuck and well, if I just made a little bit more money or if I wasn't in like this condo in this house or if we had like this staff member that I could hire. But the reality is, is that is not going to change things. And I think that that's even something I learned over what's now closing in on a decade of entrepreneurial journey is as you're building a business and stuff, it's always like, well, if you can get X amount more clients or X amount more revenue, or if I can get this staff member or hire this many employees, but what that does is just opens a door to a whole nother set of hurdles and challenges that will can end up making you feel the same exact way. So it never really is a grass greener situation. So you just need to figure out like what you're talking about, how to create joy and how to be happy. And that's going to be an agent of change too long term. But yeah, I think that a lot of people get stuck in that all the time. Right, exactly. They start losing that aim of, well, I know how to serve my patient in this specialty or the way that I'm doing for that. And therefore, I'm just going to do more of that because it's easy. Instead of, is this part, is how I'm delivering actually serve the purpose of how I want to be? And if it's not, what can I do differently? It doesn't have to be dramatic, 
right? There's like a, a Swedish researcher, actually they, they searched a really simple concept of salt intake. And they had half the patients have the same amount of food and diet. Another half, every day, they reduce salt content or cut in their salt content. And that's the same thing as when we think about adapting behavior. It doesn't have to be one or the other, all or nothing. We can gradually desensitize ourselves and then realizing there is, yes, there's a bigger goal. But if you just set a big goal and then you don't know how to make these small progressive steps to get there and become unrealistic and no one likes to do it because it's hard, right? Nothing in life that's actually better without change. And change is what most of us resist. Instead of think about change, it's actually a different way we are looking at things, change our attitude, it just being a flowing into a different direction than where you were, but it's actually going what you wanted. Yeah, I love it. That's that's fantastic. What do you think from on the productivity side? What do you think is what you see dealing with um, as many people as you do is the biggest time suck culprit that maybe they're either aware of or unaware of out there that you see consistently? <laughs> Such a great question. Most people always tell me, Sabrina, just give me a more strategy. Or they say, oh, I know all the ways to keep myself going. Yes, you're really good at getting things done. But most of us are not getting the right things done. There is a, such a severe difference. So if you think about a pie chart, one of your biggest pie should be what's called the desire zone. And most people are not living in their desire zone 80% of the time. What they do is get swinged all the way to the distraction zone, disinterest zone, and the debt zone. I actually make all my clients write down everything that they do to see if they're actually working in their business or on their business. And most people, when I ask a simple question, who is the hardest working person in your medical practice? And guess what everybody say? Myself. And if you're the hardest working person, that is the wrong attitude. Everybody else who you attract, the right people in your corner should be working the hardest because as a leader, as an owner, you should be the one who be able to take a step back to assess. Right? We always know if we're inside a situation, we don't see anything with the objective mind because you're so trapped in it, right? Instead of being seen as a third person, as a leader. So what does that mean truly to be in a desire zone? Desire zone means anything that you do is aligned with your flow, your energy, your vision, and something that you're truly really good at, that you're expert in. It has to be both. And the distraction zone means, oh, I think I like it. I think this is getting me somewhere, but I'm not really good at. And that our judgment tendency is I can get there. So let me figure out how. Let me just do researches uh, here and there and figure things out. But when you do that, that means what? You're wasting a lot of time just to figure things out inside our dedicating, giving off some of your controlling tendency, the experts can help you with a shorter amount of time and get you the better quality of result. And now what's the disinterest zone is you can be really good at doing this and it might come to you easy, but it's a disinterest because you shouldn't be doing that. Just like a basic analysis, 
right? How well your uh, back end billing is. And that should mean an analyst should be doing that, right? Some um, other people crunching numbers. That's like truly, even though it's easy to you with time and you realize that it's not moving the needle in your life, in your business, then you start to be what? Procrastinate. And that kills momentum or motivation. Then the dead zone means either or, right? Like you do not have a true interest in doing something and you're not really good at, and then you just feel like quote unquote an obligation. And most people actually do a lot of things they feel like they're just obligation and not truly living again in their desire zone. So now, Justin, you probably asked me like, well, a lot of us, I feel like we have to do things we don't like to do or I'm not good at. And then again, that's putting ourselves into that lack state of lack of resources, lack of money, lack of time, right? And so I say you have to pivot yourself then into what's it called a focus funnel. So focus funnel, number one is elimination. And we talk about if you set your value system, then you have to say more no's. And number two is automation. What can you create a systematic way that generates what you need without task off your work to even your secretary, your, your other team members, right? Because that is actually causing distraction for them. And then the third thing is delegate. When you have the right resources in the right people that you can trust and build that trust, let go control, and let go the perfectionist tendency. And then the last thing is, okay, fine. This is thing I have to do. Then would it be something that would produce me time, produce me more result, or is truly robbing me time? Even it just take you five minutes, multiple five minutes at up. Yeah, that's that's super true. When you're talking about kind of the desire zone, does that widen, so to speak, as you kind of get further into your career? What I mean by that is there's kind of that adage, like when you start your career, you're going to be doing, say, 90% things that you don't enjoy because it's the grunt work while you're low man on the totem pole, so to speak, and 10% of what you love. But when you get close to retirement, it should be flipped. You should be doing 90 to 95% of the things that you love and hardly anything that you don't, kind of, so to speak. Now, is that is that true? Is that a wrong way to think about it? Or like as you kind of come into your own as an entrepreneur, as a physician, as a leader, then your desire zone should widen or it really doesn't matter where you are in your career. There's that desire window should be the same, if that makes sense. Right, right. It's a great question. It doesn't matter which state you are, whether you're a new practice owner or you've been there for many years, your desire zone should be in that 80% or higher range. If we're not, then Interesting. we feel the drag of discomfort, disinterest, and then we won't really do anything, continually killing our momentum motivation because it's not sustainable, right? We all know our primitive brain is five fly or freeze. So we're going to want to run away from things we don't want to do. And then we freeze, we like dare in a headlight, right? Like, oh, this is yucky. I can't even make a decision. And if I say yes to the things I really don't want to do, how do I back out of it, right? And it's like that discomfort feeling. So we don't want it to be there. So 
we have to start off knowing exactly what's in your desire zone and not having the feeling of I'm lack of resource, lack of energy, lack of money to find the right people to do the things I'm not good at because your desire zone is going to be different from everybody else's. And so when we have the right people in our corner, we leverage everybody else's time and talent. And that's how we're going to compound things and create bigger results. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That's an interesting way to look at it. And I love it too, because it's uh, it talks to you. It doesn't really matter where you are in your career to implement this. You don't have to, even when you're coming straight out of fellowship and you're low man on the totem pole, who's getting all of the surgeries that you may not love kind of thing. It, it, you should be resetting that train of thought and, and getting your desire zone up there. What do you think organizations are either... Or what should they be doing or what are they not doing in terms of supporting their people, their physicians, all of the above that we've been talking about um, and, and make sure that physician burnout doesn't happen? Because it seems like there's a big, I think, gap there between the physicians and what they're trying to do and protect themselves and then what the organization is either turning a blind eye to or not doing to help them protect their time and, and everything we've been talking about today. From a organization level, and it doesn't matter if it's a small organization or large. This morning, I just jumped off a, a call with a client. So he is a chiropractor, has 20 people under his belt and multiple facilities. Now, one thing he felt like is, well, I'm not truly connected with everybody. And biggest thing he wants to create, his vision is better influence to help everyone on his team to see that bigger, better future, then people become more motivated. So then I flip the switch. What does that influence mean to you? And some people might say, oh, just so if I ask people to do something, they will do it. But how do we even create that influence? It's no longer just being a leader just because you have the authority and therefore people do it, right? What I'm talking about is attracting only the right people to yourself because we do have to say no to the wrong people. And that means you have to have a um, very rigid hiring process, not just based on a CV. Uh, it can be you have to do a quick personality testing, right? Like how they're interacting with other people matters. And once you have these core solid members that you can depend on, because again, right, we compound on each other's knowledge and talent. We also don't want to diminish their talent. And there's a six ways that we can be a diminishers. So that's the core thing is knowing people so well. So you bring out the best in them and therefore they realize they're being seen, being heard, being understood. And then you use them in their best resources and you're not constricting themselves. And therefore they were more motivated individually and wanting to achieve better things. So from that perspective, we are not approached in a way that we want to be approached, right? Like people, there's different way of love languages, there's different way of apology languages. And therefore we have to know what fits individually, especially from bigger senior leadership to understand their team. Otherwise, how are you creating a message that people just follow? Everyone works for themselves. They don't actually work for you. Yeah, that's a great point. The level five leader concept that the good to great book he talks about, it's not even, I mean, it's, it's absolutely critical to get the right people on the bus like you're talking about, but you've got to know them well enough to get them in the right seat on the bus because that matters maybe even more than just getting the right people on the bus is getting them in the right seats and knowing them well enough to be able to do so. Exactly. And then it's about, okay, I want to connect. I want to know them, but how? 
right? It's not just a uh, concept of saying, but what did you do before that worked? And maybe that will be something you adapt. And something that my client did this morning when he said like, oh yeah, we used to go have social on Fridays and now I have to cut my own sugar and alcohol. This is the personal goal we set for him. Um, I can't do that. But then I said, huh, can you think differently? When you create these events, it's for other people to enjoy, not necessarily yourself. So even you can't have sugar and drink, other people can still enjoy themselves because your role in that event is to talk to every member, to understand them and not just there to have fun per se, right? So for him, it's like, oh, okay, since I have so many clinics, I might just dedicate every Tuesday and Wednesday, rotate out every single clinic and have lunch with them. And just simply talking about non-worker related things to actually get to a deeper human level. And then the conversation when you come to work become easier. Yeah, that's, that is great. I love it. Well, as we're wrapping up, obviously we've talked a lot about obviously an incredible level of expertise that you have in this. And, and as you mentioned, kind of briefly, you work with physicians and practice owners of all different specialties. So tell the listeners a little bit more specifically about kind of what you do, how you can help them, and then how can they kind of get in touch with you and get engaged with you to um, leverage your expertise. Thank you, Justin. Thanks everyone for listening, for allowing me to share my knowledge with you and my personal experience. I truly believe all of you deserve to have more precious time to enjoy everything you have accomplished and have that double win in your career and your life and feel powerful and passionate at the same time. So I help private practice owners from alternative like functional medicine and naturopathic, chiropractor, acupuncture, to our traditional people in medicine, surgical center, these leaders who make these dramatic big changes, right? For your people, for your clients, for all the patient and your family, be able to gain back at least four hours of freedom and increase your productivity within 60 days. And if you want to learn a little bit about what I do, and if I can even add value to you or not, feel free to go to Sabrina Rombach, my phone name, dot com forward slash blueprint to see if we can create that blueprint for you. And on the website, you will also see a quick three-minute segment from a Fox News segment I did to talk about how come our recent last year survey showing the average age burnout in the U.S. is 32 years old. And what are the three ways that we can overcome out of my six-step system? And you will also see my calendar if you like to hop on a call with me to discuss a little bit more. That is excellent. Uh, I highly encourage uh, the listeners to do that. We'll also have uh, that information uh, in the show notes as well for the podcast. So that way you can easily uh, access it to get in touch with Sabrina. Well, Sabrina, thanks again for coming and sharing all of your wealth of knowledge on a topic that I think is of the utmost importance if we're going to lower physician burnout, lower physician suicide rates, and get physicians kind of back in the driver's seat of their time from a productivity standpoint. And that's just going to be a trickle-down effect to improve patient care and improved health system um, across the board. So thanks for everything that you're doing and coming on and talking to the listeners. Thank you so much, Justin, for having me here. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't 
forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks, check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.